We are now live. So welcome to the very first episode of the Developing Communities, the DevReal podcast. So I think uh, just as we get started by way of introduction, I'll, I'll just introduce myself uh, and uh, my co-host. I will introduce himself. Uh, but I'm Mackenzie. I am a developer advocate for a cybersecurity company called Git Guardian. So uh, I am passionate about all things AppSec, InfoSec, and uh, cybersecurity. That is me. And I am Alex. Uh, thank you, Mackenzie. I am more on the developer marketing side of things. Uh, I'm, I'm from that rare breed of people who've done marketing and slowly plunged into the world of uh, software development. Uh, I work for Ponycode. We are an AI-powered uh, tool to assist developers doing uh, code quality better and faster, hopefully. Uh, today, we're like a free uh, extension for VS Code to do a unit test, but uh, further down the road, there is uh, documentation tools and monitoring tools that are coming along the way. And uh, I've been passionate about developer marketing for not so long because I'm still young, uh, but, uh, but uh, I really like uh, the no bullshit and the high value marketing that we have uh, in the community. And that's how I ended up, and the people you, you meet uh, in a very innovative field. That's how I ended up meeting Mackenzie. Uh, and we started this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, definitely true what you say, no bullshit in the world of developers. I think uh, it scares away some uh, marketing guys, but if you've stuck around this far, you're here to stay. So <laughs> yeah, that's, good to, that's good to say. Um, yeah, and I guess, I guess to talk just a little bit about what this podcast is going to be about, there is uh, DevRel, uh, Developer Advocates, Developer Evangelist, whatever... Uh, whatever title uh, we're going under is really an emerging, it's an emerging trend, um, and something that there's not a huge amount of information on. It it can be a, a daunting task. So, uh, me and Alex and myself wanted to start a podcast that kind of uh, uh, documents our journey as we learn to go through this. I think, uh, Alex, uh, it'd be a fear. Uh, a fair statement on your side too? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, actually it's it's not only a, a difficult task with a little resources, but it's like really fast paced. For me, it's shocking. Like I've worked oh, yeah. in other industries and there is it's changing way too, too quick. And uh, I think we already stuff uh, to talk about today uh, about that. But um, I first, I think the first uh, developer relationship people I've ever met were in big corporation. Uh, and so they have the means and the, and the targets, uh, I guess, to do their job in the best conditions, but uh, more and more. And I think you are an example of it is smaller companies, startups uh, and medium sized companies uh, have also this need to uh, connect with their user base, with their uh, customer base, and uh, and it, it's not as easy. We don't have the same means. Uh, we are still uh, having a product, uh, a younger product, uh, evolving, and so those discussions are uh, really essential to find the best practices and kind of figure out where we're going with this. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, it, it, and what you say that uh, it's something that uh, is emerging in that uh, the smaller level of startups too. I, I joined Git Guardian when there was about thirty people in that real high growth uh, kind of stage after they did a funding round. And a developer advocate uh, was something that they really, uh, really wanted to hire early on in the process. It seems like it would be a luxurious role uh, that's kind of. Uh, 
available only to the to the to the giants in the world. But I, I, I think that as the title has been around for for a little bit of time, and the different strategies we have, that it's it's becoming a kind of a, a role more and more that's focusing that's kind of getting in those earlier stage stage companies, and uh, and it's great to see, and particularly with. Uh, early stage companies like Ponycode, like Guardian, where there's just a huge focus on uh, providing value to to developers. It's 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 really a, an important role, but one that uh, is certainly uh, not obvious to the outside. Yeah, it's uh, the other day I had a discussion with a, a person working as a developer relationship in a company of five people, a young startup, and I was like, why, why do you have a developer relationship? But he, he answered wow. uh, rightfully, why not? Uh, and it's true that uh, developer relationship feels uh, ahead of the curve uh, because before making marketing and communication, you need to connect. Uh, with the people who use your product and you need to uh, underst understand them and talk with them and you know have this more intimate connection that helps a product to become uh, well well a company to, to, to become mature and to have a, a mature product and it makes so much sense when you think about it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it does having that connection to the, to the end user uh, it's, it's, it's so important being able to shape that having that drip feed into the people that are actually using the, the product, getting their feedback and plugging that back into the top early on. I think it saves a whole lot of money. <laughs> we, I, yeah. I've been in startups for a while and so often uh, we can go off on a tangent building what we want to build. Um, and it ends up when you go to market that you're so far away from what, uh, what your users wanted to use, what developers wanted to use. And developers, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we can be unforgiving if it all doesn't meet our needs. We're not just going to give things a, a whole lot of chance because we move so fast. We're moving so fast that if it doesn't hit the mark, if it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it doesn't meet our needs. And it's not something we're going to hang around to uh, hang around and wait wait for it to improve. You're, you're raising my uh, anxiety levels. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about everything I need to do. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Well, that's why we're here. We're here to learn, uh, learn to, to, to get through this together. Um, yeah, and and share share as we go what uh, what DevRel is all about and the people that are doing it well. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll uh, collectively lower our anxiety levels. Although, hey, we work in the startup life, we're bound to have some anxiety <laughs> as a constant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any uh, got here just in the outline just to, to to look into some some news in the industry? Would you anything that's really tickled your your fancy this week in uh, in something that's that's moving along in the in the dev real world, Alex? Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. When we were talking about the outline of this uh, this podcast, I thought it would be a good idea because I'm I'm getting through so much piece of news and new tools, and uh, sometimes I lose an hour on Project Hunt too. Uh, and and so I thought uh, maybe it was a good uh, opportunity to kind of share uh, what's been uh, around. And uh, uh, honestly, I haven't been focused on the news this week, uh, but I've been uh, desperately looking for new ways to share uh, like code uh, and especially interaction uh, with code uh, visually. Uh, I mean, like code snippets in blog articles or in view videos I do. And so I was looking for 
new ways to do that. Uh, I, I've been like dissatisfied with what was available uh, for me. Um, and so I just wanted to share, like first, I, I love graphic design and there is one thing that, that appeared on my stream. It was launched on Product Hunt, I think a couple of months ago now, and it's called Ray.so. R-A-Y dot S-O. And it's, uh, it's just to build quickly really beautiful code snippets. And it's been helping like my social media and my blog posts uh, to build them uh, much quicker and to make really beautiful code snippets, visually beautiful. So that's been uh, useful. And as I was looking more into stuff, I found out about VS Code Stories. Which, which is exactly what it, what it sounds like. It's uh, like Instagram stories, but within VS Code. So you can share uh, how what you do with your code and, and kind of manipulation with your code and, and share it to the community. Hopefully, we don't get to the point when we do like Clubhouse VS Code. Hopefully, we don't get to TikTok VS Code because I don't have the moves for, moves for, for, for that. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, I was looking also at like GitHub Gist, which is like the, the, the basic tool, found the most efficient tool. Um, but my team has been building more and more uh, tutorial with Loom. Uh, I, I mean, the, the added value of Loom is just to have your face out there, but to have a tutorial when you, you, have, you know you have the person interaction, especially since we've been uh, re working remotely for so many months, to have like a format of videos which includes a human person, uh, that that's very very valuable, and I feel like uh, the, the the retention uh, of uh, of viewers on such videos compared to blank screen uh, screenshots are are much better. So so I'm kind of curious to hear out like if anyone out there has new tools to share with me. I'm I'm a greedy person, so I'm like okay, give it out to me. I need more more ideas and more stuff. Yeah, there's, there are all things that I, I wasn't on my radar. Code, code snippets, uh, I always used to use uh, Carbon, which was a, 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 tool for, a tool for that. But I have to check out Ray.so. And uh, VS Code Stories, I had no idea. I honestly had no idea that uh, that, that was a, a thing. So I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, and and you can the, actually when, see that. Like, sorry, you can actually see random people's stories on your VS Code, so I feel like this is going to distract me from writing any good code. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, be careful with this one. Yeah, I'd be worried about sharing, a, sometimes putting my code out into the into the universe. I'd be worried that, uh, yeah. uh, please don't make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you find out that this is a much more efficient way of doing something. <laughs> but hey, uh, that sounds cool. Well, that's, that's awesome. I mean, while we're talking about this uh, kind of code stories here, I guess this brings me into something that I wanted to talk about today. Not something that I myself uh, consider uh, consider me, me as a huge expert in this field, but something that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to improve on and going, and something that I get asked questions about from people that are coming into it, and that's social media, but specifically uh, how to engage with developers on social media. Because uh, like, if you're like me, there's just so many tools and uh, you know, social media applications out there that, that we could use. Do we use Reddit? Do we use Slack, Discourse, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, LinkedIn? Or how do we, how do we uh, really engage? What's the right way to do it? 
and uh, and how do we get meaningful engagement? And uh, I, I think as I've dived into this, the, the, the kind of solution is that uh, it doesn't really matter what social media you're using. But the one thing that I've never seen anyone do uh, really well is being able to use all of them at the same time effectively. I, I, I'd be curious what you think of this, uh, Alex, from your marketing standpoint. But the people that I see using social media for developer relationships really well have a specific channel that they focus, focus on. If it's Reddit, Twitter, LinkedIn, and focusing your efforts onto something to try and create a, an engaged community in one place first before expanding out and, and still having the other stuff, but just really focusing on that. What, what's your thoughts on building engaged uh, engagement with the developers and using social media to do this? I, I, can, I, I agree with you, basically. Uh, right now, I'm not a very good advocate of this because I've been exploring uh, different social media and I'm really eager to try new stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but it's in order to find the right fit uh, further down the lane. But, but out of my experience is like there is three, three dimensions to a social media. It's like, is your audience on that social on that platform? Is that format uh, working for your product solution and uh, to talk with uh, this audience? And uh, the three, and maybe the most important one these days is like, are you actually enjoying this platform? Are you taking pleasure into mm. doing, connecting with your audience there? Uh, because not only finding one platform and focusing on it is important, but enjoying doing it is going to make a huge difference because how you're going to play, be playful with that format, how you're going to try to innovate, uh, to disrupt uh, that communication, that channel, uh, and, and, and you know get above water. Because at the end, that's uh, what matters, is how you're going to be able to make yourself noticed on that uh, infinite thread of uh, Twitter posts or LinkedIn posts or, or whatever it is. It's, it's so true, and uh, what you say really reminds me of uh, a developer advocate that, in my opinion, is really killing it on all of the, the, the points that you just made. Uh, so there's uh, Joe Carlson. He's a developer advocate at MongoDB. Um, and what really surprised me is that uh, you mentioned there, uh, is your audience on the social media? I didn't ever think that TikTok would be a social media that I would be able to engage with developers. And, and to be honest, it's not something that I engage with developers on. But Joe uh, creates the most uh, engaging, he's either a very engaging guy, creates the most engaging videos that are developer focused on TikTok, has tens of thousands of people, and is able to create polls and start discussions and answer questions uh, on TikTok. And the key point is that it would never work for me. Uh, or maybe it would, but I'm not as engaging on, on video, <laughs> I, I, uh, especially that short format. But uh, it, you can tell that he enjoys using that medium and that uh, it's, it's something that he's, his, the audience is clearly there because they're in, engaged with him, even though that was a total uh, surprise uh, uh, to, to me. And uh, regularly post it, and 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 he's someone that I, I notice he he has great traction on a lot of different social media, but I feel like uh, TikTok and maybe Twitter are the, are the basis that he uses, and then he shares you know the TikTok videos on the LinkedIn as well, so you can you get that expanded reach, but you're 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 really focusing on that one area. And I I just find that interesting of what you just said, particularly of of that key point. Are you enjoying it? And I think that's. Uh, uh, 
totally totally critical to to building a, a good social media following with developers so you have to be passionate about what you're sharing and enjoying the medium that you're doing it so really really interesting but i i just uh uh, I, I like to bring up Joe in there because it was such a surprise to me that uh, TikTok just didn't 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 occur to me that that would be a place where developers would hang out. Developers are everywhere. You should you should know that. Yeah, this now. is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah. I, I hang out in my uh, my geeky uh, security Discord groups, <laughs> sharing memes. <laughs> I, I don't. I wasn't. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I wasn't aware that uh, TikTok was for anyone but uh, but dancing uh, dancing uh, <laughs> dancing people. But hey, it See, works. we're it we're works. a good match because I'm I'm TikTok obsessed, but I'm so shy with Discord. I never I'm always trying to enter a conversation out there, and and so I I, I stick with TikTok uh, and developer content uh, on there. Yeah, yeah. What. I, it's uh, it's a wide world. Are you, have you branched into Clubhouse at all? Have you have you taken that leap down the Clubhouse path? I no, I'm I'm not a big advocate for the Clubhouse format uh, because I mean resource management. Uh, there was a the, the when you see the momentum it had, you were like, oh, I want to be part of that momentum and jumped in. Uh, but for me in my work, it was a moment when we we're doing so many stuff. I was like, okay, if I want to do something new, I want to be sure that it's long lasting. Uh, and Clubhouse didn't feel uh, yet that kind of platform. And I do believe it's not going to be. Uh, I think uh, there were some key people that took over the platform and they're going to stick with it. But with uh, with uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn and Twitter l l launching their own version of Clubhouse, I believe that I'll get other opportunities to uh, have a seat uh, at the table of uh, speaking rooms. Yeah, that might be one of those statements that get played in uh, five year times if Clubhouse has taken over the world. Yeah. <laughs> you played this, uh, I do not believe Clubhouse. <laughs> I, I, I am much the same as you. I, I, uh, I struggle uh, with the Clubhouse format, but I, I think it just goes back to uh, it's not something that I enjoyed uh, my time on when I was like looking through Clubhouse, or, especially as I felt when I got my exclusive invites, which is yeah. very, uh, very clever marketing on, on their side. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be uh, interesting. But I, I think kind of rounding out this social media uh, conversation, like where, where should you, if you're a new developer advocate, where should you uh, build your time to, to build community? And I, I think that it comes down to, it's where you want to hang out uh, the most. And the, and the one final thing that I'll say is that I see some people doing is that if you want, if your goal is to get genuine interaction with developers and, and create conversations, which it, it should be, then there's no shortcut to having to create a lot of content, post out there, and engage in a lot of conversations. There is tools that you can use to help manage social media, you know, Hootsuite, Crowdfire. Uh, you can even create bots, you know, Phantom Buster, for example. But they're, they're, and sure, you may gain some followers from that and uh, reach out there, but you, it's not how you're going to build an engaged uh, audience. So I think that's just one thing for people to stay around. But don't don't be uh, don't be uh, tricked by the vanity metrics of uh, how many followers you have and how many uh, yeah how many likes you have in your picture. I, I think that's much more important that people actually know who you are. And if you go to a conference and people know who you are, and that's that's the measure of what 
uh, you should be aiming for on social media and uh, not to aim for 50,000 bots that, no, uh, that follow you. Yeah, no, but that's the whole point of, the, of, of being a developer relationship is not being a, a, a communication department with a blank uh, profile uh, with a, an icon of uh, your company's logos on it. It's you, you as a person, you are the developer relationship. Uh, so you, you get to, to choose your platform uh, depending on, on what you like and what you, where you connect with people. So that, that's great. Uh, but I do like a few vanity metrics. I, I gotta say, I, I like having. <laughs> <it. So> the... <laughs> uh, my claim to fame last week was uh, anonymous uh, retweeted uh, my tweet. <laughs> so I couldn't figure out what happened. I got 150 retweets. No, you know, I'm not someone. I'm someone that's lucky to get three, two. Uh, I was. Uh, look, I, I'm not gonna lie. I pinned that post. It's my, it's my pinned on my Twitter. I like. I like that I got some, some street cred up there. Now. So a little bit of attitude is okay. <laughs> oh, very good. Hey, but maybe I can pick up from here because. Uh, uh, Go for I, it. I was uh, I was thinking you said Clubhouse you had to to get invites and I was thinking one of the things I hate in the real world is is queuing and with the digital world I hoped I would get away with that uh, and especially when it comes to events uh, and and I, I hope the the event online event world is not uh, going to start to work on like a, this invite Clubhouse based system uh, where I have to run after after friends or for Facebook friends to get uh, in. Um, no, what I was interested about talking today is like the digital fatigue I get with online events. I'm a bit scared because things have been changing so much in over the past two years over, well, the, the pandemic, uh, two years now, one year and a half, <laughs> that's enough already. Um, the formats have changed and the attractions of the events have changed and the time we are ready to, to spend on those events have changed. And so... Uh, I've had opportunities to be uh, a sponsor with my company to some events, a speaker, or to have uh, some of my team members to be speakers at events, and also at an audience uh, where I get to uh, exchange, do a bit of networking, and connect with the dev community. Uh, this year, I've really started to wonder, like, what's going to be my next move? Like, what, what am, am I going to sign up for, and what am I... What do I still want to be part of? Uh, and I don't know if you've experienced that fatigue as well. Yeah, you, you're talking about the fatigue of kind of the, you know, when things go back to quote unquote normal and we have conferences and meetups that are happening in person again. Is it's uh, what's 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 going to linger on? How many how many uh, events uh, have to have to keep going? Is that kind of what you're talking about? And uh, but getting did, tired of talking to your screen by yourself. Yeah, in, yeah. In the, the like, oh, I have a, this conference, this uh, session maybe interests me, but it's one hour and a half long, and I'm going to sit out in front of my computer, and after 20 minutes, I'm going to get distracted, and it definitely does not. And I haven't connected with anyone over that session or that conference, so it definitely doesn't have the same impact as a as the, the the physical one we're used to. Yeah, no, I completely, uh, I completely agree. You know, as there's when the when this all started, and I started seeing these conferences go go virtual, my immediate thought was, what an awesome opportunity this is to really get involved in conferences across the other side of the world. You know, we both live in Paris. Uh, there are a few conferences that we're fortunate enough to to have here, but you know, there's huge number of amazing conferences across the world that we just can't uh, can't get to in a, in a normal year and having them all virtual meant that we could get to them. But 
but when you go to these events, it's, you know, my own engagement in it is difficult. And then when you're, you're a, uh, you know, part of it is that, that when you're in a conference, it's the excitement, it's the build-up. It's meeting people in the in the hotel lobby over drinks. That's when you get the most uh, valuable insights. And you know, someone asks you, oh, "What do you do?" Oh, I'm a developer advocate for GitGuardian. Oh, that's that that company. You know, and then you get some raw feedback and uh, those interactions that you can't uh, uh, you can't recreate. And Man, people tried so hard, and I think I think we got better with these breakout things happening in Zoom and, and trying to recreate it. But um, yeah, it, it's it's I'm ready to to go back to normal conferences, get that energy of people, you know, people talking and and there's chance there's chance meetings, getting feeling sick before you go on stage presenting, <laughs> presenting, it's like just shaking with nerves with you. We've got this brand new talk that you've never done. It's something disconnecting about uh, speaking at a conference behind your computer screen when you're, you know, in your PJs. Has it, you, that's something special about being nervous, and, and it, it pushes you to to do to do good. Hmm. So For me, it was. I, uh, sorry, I let you. No, go. no, you go. For me, it was definitely a game changer. Uh, first, because the big names out there that were used to attract the highest number of people are not necessarily the, the, the best at doing online events. And I've seen, like, uh, actually, I was checking, uh, I shouldn't name things, but I was checking Microsoft Ignite on Google Trends. And this year is the, the, the smallest reach they ever got since they started in 2015. I was like, that says a lot about how much traction uh, online event can get, even from the the best of us, well, the the wealthiest of us maybe. <laughs> mm. And uh, and so I'm seeing like smaller smaller companies, uh, smaller startups organizing their own events, and it's not uh, the amount of money uh, that uh, that makes the best events uh, or the best speakers. Uh, it's now it's like everybody is at the same stage. You find a, a good platform, you've got a good organization, and then you find a good format. And uh, for me, the things I've been really attracted about the, this year is like I've had small conference with like six speakers, not the biggest people in the industry, but you know they came with something new and relevant and that has a lot of value. And they suddenly you want to you see like six sessions of 30 minutes, and you're like, okay, 30 minutes, I have the time, and I want to see everything they have to tell me because. I feel I felt refreshed, and I've seen I've seen a couple of those. So that's the first side. Is like uh, it's not just product launches and announcement anymore that uh, that are deal breaker. Uh, are are making a good conference. I need like the, the good speakers with new ideas and new angles, and and so that's how I, I try to build my participation uh, or the participation of people in my team. Uh, and the other side of it is like, okay, being a speaker is not always possible, especially as a startup. You can always block a week of work to prepare uh, your, your session. And so I started to be like, okay, let's try to connect. Uh, and that lo hotel lobby networking, where am I going to find that this year? And I see some conferences who have great, uh, great content, but no audience or no audience interaction. And that's a deal breaker for me. Mm -hmm. And I've seen conferences where people in the chat during the session are like, uh, there is the amount of discussion. You're like, how this 
can have that amount of interaction and some other great conference have no uh, no interaction whatsoever. And I know for a fact that I have a few friends organizing conferences who have uh, people dedicated to steer the conversation up in the chats. Uh, or if there is a discord on the side of the of the conferences, they're there all day long. And that has a lot of value for me now. And I started to connect with people over session chats, you know, discussing some topics and reconnecting after with them after that. And now I'm looking at that. I'm like, I, I no longer necessarily need to be a speaker. Uh, needless to say, my company is sponsored to uh, be out there and connect with people, even online and without a beer in my hand, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but it, it was really game changing this year, and and now uh, when I'm looking at the metrics of the conference that I want to be part, I, I definitely look at their capacity to create interaction. It can be on social media, it can be on the Discord, on the Slack, it can be uh, on Livestorm, whatever it is. If there are people who are going to be out there and sharing their ideas, I want to be there and I want to be part of that. And that's the the, the crazy thing because people are making the effort. Less people maybe are coming to conferences. Maybe conferences are not as exciting, but but when people do come, the value uh, and the quality of interaction you can get is really, really uh, impressive. Yeah, no, I have agree. You, have you had the same experience? Yeah, the thing that I found uh, the most is that I, I, from my personal experience, is that the, the online format of conferences uh, throughout the year of the pandemic worked best the smaller the conferences was almost like it almost at a meetup level it worked really well uh, you know I'm not saying it's a replacement um, but when we got up to the, the largest conferences uh, GitHub Universe which you guys Bonico was a, a sponsor of it's so big that people feel too small to interact that was something For that sure. I found. I, you know, if you you know if you got the online chat on the side and it's going so fast that you know no one can possibly keep up, then you, you're you're not going to uh, you know or there's too many people that you're, you're worried that you're going to say something silly, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> which we all kind of worry about sometimes. It it it's it's prohibitive for that uh, that creation that interaction. Um, so I I kind of feel like I you know I wonder, but uh, these are these are on my metrics. I, I use GitHub Universe as an example of something that I felt was so big that I, I, when you compare it to what a physical event would be like, it, it's it's the for me the connection, what I'm there for, and meeting people and talking and, and going into and finding the you know little talks that you wouldn't have ever haven't found that that wasn't there. But perhaps on GitHub side, it was really successful. You know, maybe for them getting their message across to to thousands of people, you know, millions of people perhaps uh, at one time was very valuable. So I I I wonder, but from a developer relationship point of view, very difficult to build relationships. GitHub actually told me off because uh, I was commenting too much <laughs> on the on the on the forums. You know, but it wasn't able to get uh, that uh, connections uh, from that. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how the online conferences work. I definitely feel fatigued from it. Um, uh, I need to I need to be really energized with either a, a different format uh, of conference um, on a smaller scale, or or uh, maybe uh, with the vaccines rolling out, we can start to enjoy the in person in person events again. But um, 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to, to, <laughs> I'm definitely ready to, to yeah. have a bit of a change up. Yeah. Bah, I started to get invitation for uh, uh, physical events for next month, and I was like, I like the enthusiasm, but uh, let's be cautious, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that the, uh, the there's a cybersecurity one coming up in Paris uh, in a couple of months, I think. Uh, the FIC. Um, so I'd be interested. It'd be interesting. And Paris is in a lockdown right now, so I like. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical, but. But hey, if it's allowed, I'm there. I'm there with a beer in my hand at the hotel lobby, name tag on, ready to chat. So if you're there, do come find me. <laughs> if you see someone with a name tag in a hotel lobby, it's uh, Mackenzie Jackson looking to make friends, so you can go uh, yeah, and talk to him. Yeah, I might just do this even without conferences. This is, this, this is just going to be my weekend activity. Well, Thank you. I mean, I think, uh, I think, I don't know, should we, uh, I, I feel like this brings a bit of a natural end to, to this first episode. Something that uh, I'm going to be really curious about is um, as this podcast uh, evolves, I, I want to hear from the, the people that are listening what, what you want. We're going to try and bring in some guests uh, where we can to talk about specific topics um, and, and unpack certain things. If there is uh, certain uh, areas that you want to, to dive into, how how to create uh, certain content, where to find certain things, then um, it's probably something that the, the that everyone as a whole is interested in. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, so please reach out to myself or Alex. Uh, you'll find me everywhere on social media under Advocate Mac, but uh, Twitter is probably the best place if you want to reply. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, really interesting to, to see how this format uh, evolves. Uh, Alex, any uh, final closing remarks before we uh, finish up our digital, uh, <laughs> talking about digital fatigue at, at digital podcast? Yeah. No, I, I, I was thinking, uh, we started to think about this podcast because we have different backgrounds, but we work in the same area and we thought... Uh, uh, we have different opinion. Uh, today we had the same opinions, but maybe different uh, sources of information and, and insight on things. Uh, but I'm really curious to see how where where we confront. I think that's something that haven't ha happened so much yet. But I want to disagree with you. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, now you can also reach out to me on social media. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn at the moment. Uh, I'm. I'm uh, you can actually, I'm, I'm handling Ponycode a lot for Ponycode social media. So you can always reach out to, to the Ponycode social media and, and follow us. And I'll definitely answer to you personally. Clubhouse. Alex loves Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> on, on TikTok, you can find TikTok because I'm doing some silly stuff to, to, to relax. My, my, the marketing team is like trying to have fun with TikTok these days. So if you find Ponycode TikTok and you enjoy it, Please tell us. <laughs> okay. I need to get on TikTok a bit more. Whenever I talk about social media, I feel old because it's something that moves so fast that uh, uh, you think that you're you're young, but I, I, <laughs> nothing makes me feel more old than social media. <laughs> Those days are over for us. But, yeah. <laughs> well, until next time, and uh, what Alex hopes will be a more confrontational podcast <laughs> from me. But, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we look forward to seeing you uh, next Wednesday and the next episode. 
Thank you very much. See you around.